2005 Southern California Harvest, Podcast 7. Greetings and welcome to this special crusade edition of A Time for Harvest. These podcasts are brought to you by Harvest Ministries at harvest.org in partnership with the Godcast Network. I'm Steve Webb, host of the LifeSpring Podcast at lifespringpodcast.com, which is a proud member of the Godcast Network, found at godcast.org. As we've said before, we hope you can join us in person at the Southern California Crusade tonight, July 17, 2005, or at an upcoming crusade near you. In the meantime, if you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now, or if you've recently made a decision to do that, please visit us on the web at nogod.org. That, of course, is knowgod.org. You can register your decision or take advantage of lots of different resources to help you get the most out of your relationship with Christ. And you can even receive a free copy of the New Testament. If you're already a believer and would like to help support Harvest Crusades by putting a Bible in the hands of a new believer, please visit us at harvest.org stw. And of course, to subscribe to these podcasts, you can at harvestpodcast.org. Lastly, to sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional via email, visit harvest.org devotional. And of course, you can email Greg directly at greg at harvest.org. This is the second of three messages from pastor and evangelist Greg Laurie. Greg's message deals with what the future holds. The Bible correctly predicts the future hundreds of times, and Greg talks about why that should matter to you and me. Listen as hip-hop artist Toby Mack introduces Greg Laurie at the end of his set. After the introduction, we'll join Greg a few seconds into his message. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. We are living in extreme days. And that's the reason I'm grateful to introduce this man that has uh, been preaching God's word and sharing his story for many years. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, Please listen closely because your life could change tonight to my brother, Craig Laurie. I figure that despite all of their advanced technology and figuring out the weather, my guess is as good as mine. I, or theirs rather. I just open up my window, I look out, and if it's cloudy, I say, you know what? I think it's going to rain. And if it's clear, I say, it's going to be a nice day. So if you really want to know what the weather is going to be, just call me and I'll tell you, okay? Because I can read the signs of the times. I can tell what the weather is going to be. And all around us there are signs of the times the Bible told us to look for. You see, the Bible is the only book that dares to predict the future. No other world religions have books like this one. Why is that? Because if they were to predict the future, it would be evident that they're not inspired by God like the Bible is. You see, God can speak of the future with absolute certainty. 
It's not as though He's somehow going out on a limb and taking a chance. God lives in the realm of eternity. And He can see the future as clearly as we see the past. In fact, in many cases, more clearly than we see the past because we start forgetting with the passing of time. So the basic test of the true God, of the true faith, of true belief is can they predict the future? The Bible does not predict the future once. Not just twice. Not just five times. It predicts the future hundreds of times. And it's worth noting that two-thirds of the Bible is prophecy. And listen, one half of these prophecies have already come to take place. Therefore if one half of them have happened exactly as God said they would, we can be confident that what He says will happen in the future will take place exactly as He said. Look around your world today. This recent earthquake, killer quake, and tsunami in Southeast Asia, war in Iraq, massive terrorism, global unrest. It's causing even the doubters begin to wonder, are these signs of the times that Jesus is coming back again? After the killer quake and tsunami in Southeast Asia, it seemed like every commentator and news anchor on the airwaves described what happened as being of biblical proportions. I saw that phrase a lot. It was of biblical proportions. They were more right than they realized. Because Jesus told us one of the signs of the times of His soon return was there would be great earthquakes in various places and plagues and famines and great signs from heaven. You say, no, oh come on Greg. There's always been earthquakes. Oh wait a second. That may be true. But this earthquake that happened in Southeast Asia was so powerful it set the whole earth to vibrating and actually interfered with the earth's rotation to the degree that time stopped for three milliseconds. According to the U.S. Geological Society they tell us that earthquakes are increasing. Every, for the past five decades, it's increasing with the number of earthquakes, not just minor ones, but killer quakes. These are signs of the times. Yet tragically, for our planet, according to the Bible, the worst is yet to come. Jesus said it would be like birth pains that a woman experiences as she's about to get birth. And you ladies who've had babies know this. The closer the pains get, the sooner the birth is. And Jesus said, you'll see these things happen. And when they increase in frequency, these are signs of the times that my coming is near. And He said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, for your redemption is drawing near. Another one of the signs of the times the Bible tells us to be looking for is increased violence. Jesus said it would be as it was in the days of Noah prior to the return of Christ. And Noah's time among other things was characterized by extreme wickedness and violence. Look at the violence in our world today. Look at global terrorism. The attack against the World Trade Center. This recent attack in London. The constant terrorist attacks happening over in Iraq and beginning to take place even more and more around the world. Then you have these rogue nations like Iran and North Korea threatening to use nuclear weaponry. And then there's the fear that one of these terrorist groups could possibly get hold of a nuke and hold a whole city hostage. We see that this is exactly what Jesus said it would be like in the last days. He said there would be distress of nations with no way out. But listen. The super sign of the last days. 
that we were to be looking for according to the Bible as God said the Jewish people would be scattered and regathered for centuries. The Jewish people were scattered to the four corners of the earth. But after the horrific Holocaust in World War II the Jews began to return to their homeland and against all odds on May 14, 1948 Israel became a nation again fulfilling the prophecies of the Scripture that said Israel would come back into their land again. It's a sign of the times that Jesus is coming. But it goes on. God not only said that Israel would return to her land, but He predicted that the nations of the world would turn in hostility against her. He told us that the end of world history as we knew it would not take place in Rome, Italy, or in Paris, France, or Los Angeles, California. But God predicted hundreds of years ago to the Hebrew prophets that the final battle and the culmination of human history would happen in Israel and specifically around the city of Jerusalem. Ironically the very name Jerusalem means city of peace. Yet more wars have been fought at her gates than any other city on the face of the earth. God said it's all going to come down to Jerusalem. And as you look at this conflict around the world today you see the constant mention of Israel, of Jerusalem. And God said in Zechariah 12, hundreds of years ago I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink to all the nearby nations and send their armies to besiege Jerusalem. I'll make Jerusalem a heavy stone, a burden for the world, and none of the nations who try to lift it will remain or escape unscathed. Another of the sign of the times of the last days is Jesus said there would be mockers. People who would laugh the whole idea off. I was doing an interview the other day with one of the major newspapers here in town. And they asked me what I spoke on in 1990 when we first did our crusades. I said, well among other things I did speak about the Lord's return. So it was pointed out in the article that here we are 16 years later and I'm still talking about the Lord's return. So you might say, you see Greg, what's that about? I mean, you've been talking about it for 16 years. Why didn't Jesus come back? You want to know why Jesus didn't come back? Because the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. He's been waiting for some of you right now. It's true. The Bible says God is not late as some men count lateness. I don't know about you but it drives me crazy when people are late. I like to be on time. Man, I know when I'm leaving and I'm counting it down to my wife she takes a little longer to get ready. And the other day we were leaving somewhere and I said, Kathy, we're leaving in an hour. And then I call, I use our little intercom, I said, we're leaving in 50 minutes. We're leaving in 30 minutes. We're leaving in 20 minutes. We're leaving in 10 minutes. We're leaving in 2 minutes. We are leaving in 30 seconds. And still she was a little late but we got out the door. The next day I gave her the time when we were leaving and she wasn't even near being ready. I said, why weren't you ready? She said, well you didn't count me down again. God is counting it down, folks. You can see it. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be a theologian to see the signs of the times. So you might laugh, you might mock and say, oh come on, it's always been this way. The Bible says in 2 Peter that there will be scoffers in the last days who will say, oh Jesus promised to come back. Well where is He? I'll tell you where He is. He will come when it's 
the right time. And we have never been closer to the return of Jesus Christ than we are at this very moment. And Jesus could come back tonight. And I ask you, are you ready? Hard times are coming for planet Earth. The Bible tells that a charismatic world leader is going to merge on the scene. He's known as the Antichrist, sometimes called the beast. Anti not only means against, it also means instead of. Many, because they don't know better, will hail this Messiah, as it were, as the one who has all the answers. He'll bring political solutions, economic solutions, and temporary peace. He'll even get the Jews and the Arabs to sign a peace treaty that they'll actually keep for three and a half years. But at the halfway point of a time coming on the earth known as the tribulation period, Jesus said essentially this Antichrist will show us true colors and it's going to be a time of hell on earth. But it is my firm belief that before this tribulation period can begin, before the Antichrist can emerge on the scene, Jesus will come for His people and catch us to meet Him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now you know a lot of people have tried to figure out who the Antichrist is. But the Bible doesn't tell me to be looking for Antichrist. It tells me to be looking for Jesus Christ. And if Antichrist is close, the coming of Jesus Christ is even closer. Maybe you came here to mock God tonight. You thought, these Christians, they're such a bunch of losers. Bunch of posers, wannabes, phonies, hypocrites. I remember when I went to my first Christian meeting, I thought they were lunatics, the Christians. I thought, why would anybody carry a Bible publicly and talk about God like he was their next door neighbor or something? And it was on my high school campus, the age of 17, five years ago. Okay, <laughs> 35 years ago, but still. <laughs> I went to that meeting and I sort of eavesdropped on the message that was being given. And I looked around at the Christians. I thought, they're crazy. They're out of their minds. There's no way that they could be right. Then I looked a little bit more and I thought, you know, though they look like they're pretty happy crazy people. And I thought about it for a moment. I thought, now what if, of course this isn't true, but what if, what if the Christians are right and I'm wrong? What if, it couldn't be true, of course, Jesus Christ really is alive and He can come into my life. What if God could change someone like me and God turned me from a mocker into a believer and He can do the same for you tonight. He will. I want to briefly read you a story from the Old Testament book of Daniel. It's a story of a young king, the king of Babylon. His name was Belshazzar. His grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, had died. Now Nebuchadnezzar was a non-believer for years, but he came to faith in God and had a dramatic turnaround in his life. And I'm sure he told his grandson all about it. But Belshazzar didn't care about grandpa's faith. He was going to go and live the way he wanted to live and do what he wanted to do. So one day he got all of his servants together and his subjects together and his lords and they began to have a big old party and they began to bring out the alcohol and they began to worship the false gods. And something unexpected happened. 
It says while they were having this great feast and getting drunk that suddenly the king saw a hand writing on the wall and his face turned pale with fear and such terror gripped him that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way beneath him. There was a hand writing on the wall. It was unconnected to an arm or a body. Just a hand writing something on the wall. And, and there were these mysterious words, many, many, tekel, harsa. What does that mean? What's going on? It freaked Belshazzar out. So he calls in all the astrologers and says, man, tell me what this means. They said, we don't know what it means. Someone's got to tell me what's going on. This is so scary. And then his grandmother was brought in. She said, you know what? Your grandfather had a lot of respect for a prophet named Daniel. He's a man of God. Why don't you ask him to help you out? Well, bring him in, says Belshazzar. So in walks the 90-year-old prophet into the presence of the silly boy king. He says, I'll tell you what's up, Belshazzar. I just read that message. I know what it means. And here's the problem. You have not glorified God. You have not honored the God that your grandfather worshipped. You've rebelled against him. And here's what this message is saying to you right now. Many, many tekel parson. It means that you have been weighed in the balances and you have been found lacking. It means that judgment is coming. But here's the amazing thing. Belshazzar was given a chance to repent. A chance to turn from this sin because right outside of the gates of the city his enemies were closing in on him. And here's what's even more amazing. Those enemies that were closing in were predicted in the Bible. In fact the scripture actually said to the prophet Jeremiah that Nebuchadnezzar would rule, then his son, then his son's son, then judgment would come in 175 years before the man was even born. God said the guy that's going to do it, his name is Cyrus, he's going to overtake Belshazzar and Babylon. So you would have thought why Belshazzar is getting drunk. He would have said, hey there's an army out there. Who's leading that army? Well it's a guy named Cyrus. Cyrus. I've read his name somewhere. Yeah. He's the guy prophesied about. And it not only says that Cyrus is going to come in and take over Babylon, but it says that the two gates are going to be left open because the people will be drunk. Do you think somebody might have checked the gates? But they ignored all this. And they went on with their drunken feast. And Cyrus and the armies came in. And Belshazzar lost his life. Now why do I tell you all this? Because here was a clear prediction from the Bible and Belshazzar ignored it to his own peril. And God has told you what's coming down. He has told you that he's returning. And if you ignore it, you do so at great risk. The writing was on the wall. And folks, the writing is on the wall tonight. The writing is on the front page of your newspaper. The writing is on the cover of Newsweek and Time Magazine. The writing is on the news when you turn it on. It's telling you you're living in an unstable world. The signs of the times are being fulfilled and Jesus Christ is coming back soon. There's another time that God wrote. It's when a woman was caught in the act of sexual sin. They grabbed her, drug her over to Jesus, threw her down on the ground. And they said, says the law says she should be stoned to death. What do you say? Jesus looked around at all of these religious hypocrites and said, I'll tell you what. Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And then he started writing something in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. But man, did it clear the house. 
Bible says they left from the oldest to the youngest. He probably wrote their name down and what sin they were guilty of. They were all gone. There's that woman. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, well, Lord, looks like I have none. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You need to know something. God doesn't want to judge you. He wants to forgive you. He doesn't want you to face hell. He wants you to go to heaven. But Belshazzar would have none of that. He sees the writing on the wall and his knees start knocking. I mean, it's kind of a comical scene. Oh, oh, he's shaking. Hey, you know, it's been said when your knees start knocking, kneel on them. But Belshazzar, he didn't get down on his knees and pray. He turned against God. And he laughed off what the prophet was saying. You've been weighed in the balances, Belshazzar. You're a lightweight. You see, God's scales are a little different than ours. Now generally when we get on the scale, we want it to say that we weigh less than we really lay, r weigh, right? I mean, how many times have you gotten a scale? I can't believe I put on some more weight. But God's scales are different. God wants your life to have some weight, some substance, some purpose. And a lot of people are spiritual lightweights. Their lives are meaningless. They're just wasted in chasing after empty things. He says, you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found lacking. You're a lightweight. You need help. You don't have enough good in your life to outweigh the bad. And the reason I bring this up is because some people believe that if they live a good life that it will take care of the bad things that they've done and their good deeds will outweigh their bad deeds. But I suggest to you that even if that were true, your good deeds don't outweigh your bad deeds. But the fact of the matter is that's not how you are going to be judged. God has a standard that's even higher than that. The Bible says be perfect as God is perfect. You say, well, who's going to measure up to that? No one. And that's where Jesus comes in because no one can be good enough to get to heaven. That's why you need to come and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And I turn from that sin and I choose to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And you can do that tonight. And then it says... That night, Belshazzar was killed. There's a last night for every nation, a last night for every person, a last meal, a last statement, a last breath, then eternity. You say, who cares? I'm just going to party until then. In the immortal words of the Beastie Boys, you've got to fight for the right to party. Right? Or as Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, says in one of his songs, quote, I want the money, the women, the fortune, and the fame. If it means I'll end up burning in hell, scorching in flames, if it means I'm stealing your checkbook and forging your name, it's lifetime bliss for eternal torture and pain. Is it? But yet in a recent interview, Eminem said, you got to be careful what you wish for. I always wished and hoped for this, but it's turning into more of a nightmare than a dream. I can't even go out in public anymore. I've got the whole world looking at me. And to be honest, I've really not had much support from family and friends, just myself. Hey, Eminem, where's the lifetime bliss you were talking about? Oh, no. Whatever pleasures you're experiencing in this life, they are not worth eternity. You were created to know God. You have a big old hole in your heart. And you're never going to be able to fill that hole with anything that this world has to offer, you see.
How many of you have ever gone on a diet? Raise up your hand. You've gone on a diet. Okay. That's just about all of us. Have you ever tried the Atkins diet? High protein? You know? I went on that diet a while back. I thought, I'm really liking this diet after the first day. For breakfast? An omelet? Cheese? Bacon? No potatoes. No bread. No starch. For lunch? Big old piece of fish. You know, some vegetables, a little cheese. For dinner, how about an In-N-Out burger wrapped in lettuce? No bread. You can have cheese. Next morning you can have another omelet with cheese. And then for lunch some more meat and some cheese. After two days on the Atkins diet I said to my wife, I feel a void in my life that only carbs can fill. <laughs> I'm sick of meat and cheese. Listen, you have a void in your life that only God can fill. Sex isn't going to fill that void. Possessions are not going to fill that void. Accomplishments will not fill that void. Listen to me. Even religion and morality won't fill it. You were created to know God. Unfortunately, Belshazzar didn't listen to that and that was his last night because his heart had become so hard his conscience would not permit him to move toward God. Let's come back to the initial question. Are we living in the last days? I believe we are. Could Jesus come back tonight? I believe that He could. But listen to this. Even if He does not come back in our lifetime, you might be living in your last days. And I might be living in my last days. You say, well, Greg, preach that to the old people who are in their 50s. But I'm young, you see. I'm 17 years old. I can do anything I want. I'm indestructible. Careful now. You don't know when your life will end. I received a letter from a man named Ray who wrote me about his son. Here's what he says. 11 years ago at a Harvest Crusade in Angel Stadium, you delivered a message on the subject of death. In attendance was my family, including my 11-year-old son, Timothy. It was a compelling message, and you gave an invitation to accept Jesus Christ. My son said, Dad, are we going to go forward? I prayed very quickly. And I told him, well, son, I made that decision a number of years ago. And even each of us must make his own decision to follow Christ. It's your decision, and I'll support you. I bowed my head again and prayed, this time for my son. He then stood up and held out his hand and asked me to go with him to the field. With tears in my eyes, I walked to the grass outfield of Angel Stadium where my son dedicated his life to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. The young man's life is Timothy LeBlanc. 11 year la uh, years later, in August of 2004, tragically, Timothy died in an auto accident at the age of 22. The father concludes, I wanted you to know that you and the Harvest Crusade by used by, were used by God to bring the gospel message to my son. We have the assurance of being with him again in heaven, a gift beyond measure. That's the hope of the Christian. And Ray's here tonight, and God bless you, Ray. You're going to see your son again. And if you have anyone that you know that has died in the Lord, you will see them again. And it may be sooner than we think, because folks, Jesus Christ is coming back again, and it could be tonight.
The Bible says the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a loud command, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remaining will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord and so shall we be with Him forever. It could happen. The end of the world. It could be the end of your world. The Bible says don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what a day will bring. Listen, and I am not exaggerating. This could be your last opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says prepare to meet your God. How sad it would be if you said, well, you know what, I'll do it next year if you come back. Or I'll do it at church on Sunday or, or a month from now. No, the Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. It's time for you to get right with God, folks. The writing is on the wall. He's telling you to come. He's telling you to believe because Jesus is returning for those who are watching and waiting. Are you ready for His return? And are you ready to meet God? If not, you can be tonight. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross and died for the sin of the world. He was tortured. He was humiliated. Crude spikes were driven through his hands and feet and a crown of thorns placed around his head and a, and a spear thrust in his side and he bled and died there. Why? Because we are all separated from God by our sin. And it wasn't nails that held Jesus to that cross 2,000 years ago. It was love for you and for me. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. And the last thing He wants to do is see you face judgment. That is why He poured His judgment on His Son who died in your place, but if you will turn from your sin and come to Jesus tonight, you can be forgiven. And you can be ready for the Lord's return. Now you might be sitting there thinking, what do you mean come to Jesus? What is this all about? There has to come a moment where you say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. You say, well, how do I do that? You need to realize you're a sinner. You need to recognize Christ died on the cross for you. And you need to receive Him into your life. You can't be born as a Christian. You must be born again, Jesus said. A spiritual rebirth. And that happens through prayer. I'll talk about that more tomorrow night. Have you been born again? Are you sure you're ready to meet God? Do you know you'll go to heaven when you die? Are you ready for the Lord's return? If not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get ready. In a moment we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to do what hundreds have already done here at this crusade. I'm going to ask you at the end of this prayer to get up out of your seat and come down to this field, around to the back of the stage. And in doing so, you're making a public stand for Christ, saying, I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to know God. I want to go to heaven when I die. You say, well, Greg, now hold on. That's a long ways down. Do you know where I'm sitting? I'm in the nosebleed section, man. That's okay. Because we're going to wait on you. Why do I ask you to come publicly? Because everyone that Jesus calls, He calls openly and publicly. He says, if you will confess me before people, I'll confess you before the Father and the angels in heaven. But He added, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the angels in heaven. That's why I'm going to ask you to come publicly to this field. I'm also going to ask some of you who have fallen away from the Lord, 
you prodigal sons and daughters out there to come back to the Lord. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to our God who will abundantly pardon. No matter what you've done, God will give you another chance and he'll forgive you, but you must ask for that forgiveness. We're gonna pray and I'll give you that opportunity to make your decision for Jesus Christ. Let's all pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, it's true. It's predicted the future. It's told us how to live. It's told us how to come to you. And now I pray for those that are here that do not yet know you. Help them to see their need for you and help them to come to you this night, we pray. We also pray, Lord, for those who have fallen away spiritually and need to return to you. Help them to do that tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now listen to me very carefully. If you want your sin forgiven, if you want to know that when you die you will go to heaven, if you want that big old hole in your heart filled, if you want to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ, I want you to get up out of your seat and step into the aisle and make your way down to this field in the back. I'm going to ask a really big favor of my Christian friends. Hear me now. I don't want anyone to leave early. And let me tell you why. Because it creates a distraction and it clogs up the aisles. I need these aisles open for people coming forward. The only movement I want to see in the next few moments, if you please, is the movement of those coming to the field. This is a holy moment here in the Angel Stadium. I'm going to ask that you not talk to each other. I'm going to ask you to talk to God. I'm going to ask you to pray for the person in front of you and the person behind you and the person on your left and the person to your right and say, Lord, if this person is not right with you, help them to come to you now. I don't care what sins you've committed, you come to Jesus Christ. You come with your addictions. You come with your vices. You come with your guilt. You come just as you are. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't say, I'll clean my life up and come to God. No, come to God and He will clean your life up. You're not too young to come to Christ. You might be like that young man I mentioned. You're not too old to come to Christ. He can change you, but you must come. Step into the nearest aisle. If it's a line, just be patient. We're used to lines in Southern California. And this is one line worth getting into. You come now. Up in the top tiers, you come quickly because it takes you longer. And Jeremy Camp is going to sing for us as you come to Christ. I still have a lot of questions. I'm not sure. It's all right. You come with your questions. You come with your doubts. 
you come with your skepticism and you say, God, make yourself real to me. He'll do it, I'm telling you. When I prayed and asked Christ to come into my life, as I was praying, I was thinking, this isn't going to work for me. I'm not the religious type. I'm too cynical. No way. I was wrong. Because it wasn't an it, it was a him. And Jesus will change you. He'll forgive you. You'll be amazed at what He'll do, but you must come. Say, I'm so ashamed. How will God treat me? Jesus told a story about a father who had two sons. The youngest son, Dad, I'm sick of all your rules and regulations. I want out of here. Give me my portion of the inheritance. His dad reluctantly agreed. His young son took the money and got out of town as quickly as he could. It wasn't long before he had spent all his money on prostitutes and partying and stupid living. One day he was sitting around looking how his life had gone and he came to his senses and he thought, this is ridiculous. I had it so much better when I lived with my father. I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You can just take me on as a hired hand. Anything's better than this. But Jesus says, when the boy was still a long ways away, the father saw him and he got up and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he said, this my son who is dead is alive again and he who is lost is found. That's how God feels about you right now. He'll throw his arms around you and forgive you. It's true. You think your sins will come as a surprise to God? He knows about them. Jesus died for them. And if you're willing to take that step of faith and come to Him, you'll be amazed at what He will do for you. But you need to come. There's still time. There's still many coming. I hope you're one of them. Wherever you are, if you can hear my voice, respond now to this invitation. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. The Bible says, harden not your heart if you can hear His voice. Come. This invitation isn't over yet. There are still hundreds coming, as you can see. I'm going to ask Jeremy to do, do another song. There's still time for you. But at the end of this song, we're going to be done with this invitation and I'm going to go and lead these folks in prayer. I told you of how I came to Christ as a young man and I was one of the last ones to go forward. You might be one of the last ones to come, but that's okay. We'll wait on you. But get into the aisle now. Anybody else? Come to Jesus Christ. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet soul. Jeremy, how many more songs do you have? <laughs> as many as you want, buddy. <laughs> Why don't we um, just do that chorus one last time, and I'm going to go pray with these folks. Let that the name of Jesus be glorified from our lips. Let it echo throughout this county. 
throughout this state that people know how beautiful Jesus is to us. tonight you're one of many standing on this field, I want you to know that God sees you as an individual. You're not merely a face in a crowd to Him. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. But there's this wall that separates you from God right now called sin. Jesus died on the cross for that sin. But you must be willing to turn from it and ask Him to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud after me. And this is where you are asking for God to forgive you, to make you ready for His return, to ask Christ into your life as Savior, Lord, and friend. So let's all bow our heads right now. Let's pray together and say these words out loud after me to the Lord. Pray this now. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But you died on the cross and shed your blood for every sin I have ever committed. I turn from my sin now and receive you as Savior, Lord, God, and friend. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make me ready for your return. Thank you for accepting me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Yep. Welcome to the family of God. You've made the right decision tonight to follow Jesus Christ. It's a celebration in heaven over the decision you just made. Hey, listen, all of you that are on the field, listen very carefully. I have a gift for you. It looks just like this. Look at the screen up there. Look up there. See that? See this? See that? I have this for you. Now, I only have one copy, so we're all going to have to share, okay? No, I'm kidding. We have one for each of you. This is called the New Believer's Bible. This is an easy to understand New Testament along with some notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've made. Standing near you now if you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now or if you've made a decision to do so as you've listened to this message, please visit us on the web at knowgod.org. K-N-O-W-G-O-D dot You can register your decision and you can receive a free copy of that New Testament that Greg was giving away tonight at the stadium. If you're already a believer and would like to help support the Harvest Crusades by helping to put some of those New Testaments in the hands of new believers, visit us at harvest.org stw. To subscribe to the podcast, you can do that at harvestpodcast.org. You can also sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional, at harvest.org slash devotional or you can email him directly at greg at harvest.org Please join us tomorrow for Greg Laurie's final Southern California Harvest Crusade message. It has been our pleasure to have you with us today and we look forward to having you join us tomorrow 
May God bless you richly.